G'day, Nick. G'day, Warwick. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty excited. I can't, I can't lie. I can't lie. And it's not about your joke. Oh, really? I was so excited myself that you might be excited about my joke for a change. Uh, I could pretend to be excited. All right. Are you ready? Let's just. Okay, I'm ready. Time. Get it over and done with. What do you call it when two boats fall in love? Nope. Don't know. A romance. Oh my gosh. G'day, I'm Woz. And I'm Nick, sometimes Coxie, mostly Nick. This is the Tradies in Business podcast, and we're here to share a bunch of tips, ideas, tactics that you can put in place to get change happening in your trade business right now. If you're really lucky, we're going to entertain you with a few mum jokes, and more importantly, a bunch of fantastic guests that will educate you in all things you need to know about trade business, but we do promise to do it with a whole bunch of fun along the way. I'm a self-confessed idiot, so strap yourself in and enjoy another episode it's better than the the plagiarism one that i just <laughs> took about 15 minutes to figure that one out i can't believe you didn't get that one before i said it fell off my motorbike too many times all right uh nick we've got an interesting guest today yeah we've got a great guest in fact when i spoke to my extended family about uh today's guest they were all pretty excited well People who listen to the podcast already know who the guest is because you have to click on the damn episode. It's not like radio, which, you know, that's my boyhood dream is to be on radio. Where they're like, oh, who's the guest going to be? You know, listening live to the radio. In fact, you listening to this have clicked on it and gone, why do they do this? We already know who the frigging guest is. Just get on with it. Maybe we've just rolled through on their spot Spotify playlist. Oh, it just automatically came up. Yeah, there you go. After they were listening to someone really famous. So crime story. All right, I'm going to stop stuffing around. Wayne Pierce, welcome to the show. Was uh, nice to meet you and Nick. Uh, very good joke. To start the start the proceedings. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on, thanks, I mate. liked it. I liked it anyway. Okay, don't, don't try and butter up the the lady on the <laughs> show, mate. It's not going to get you anywhere. Actually, it'll get you everywhere, Wayne. It'll get you everywhere. <laughs> We're all old enough that that still works. And yeah, no, great, great to be here. Thanks, guys. Thanks, oh, thank guys. you for joining us. Now, um, my, I, I'm going to fess up that. Uh, my pop, my grandfather, he was one of the most fanatical Balmain supporters that you would ever wish to never meet. Uh, <laughs> he was a bit of a thug, i got to admit, uh, but he was my favourite pop. He was a fantastic man, but I just remember him sitting on the couch that still had the plastic on it that my grandmother would never take off in the lounge room that had the plastic runners on the carpet that you would never allowed to remove. And if anybody disturbed him when the Tigers were playing, you were in deep trouble. <laughs> so uh, I'm just stoked to to be uh, chatting to you on the podcast. Pop's no longer with us, obviously. Uh, left us quite a few years ago now, but I think he would be very, very proud that uh, his grandson is chatting to the Wayne Pierce, mate. Well, thanks, Was. I mean, there's a lot of... Um... A lot of fanatical Tiger supporters, a lot of fanatical footy supporters out there, but there's so many Tiger supporters that just had nothing to cheer for over recent years. But uh, <laughs> fingers crossed, 2024 is going to break the drought. But uh, yeah, no, it's, I mean, I'm, I feel really privileged to have had the opportunity to to, to pull the black and gold jumper on, and and uh, you know, it's it's very special in my heart. Never wanted to leave the club. Just in fact, I caught up with just a couple of nights ago with. Um, Locker Roach and and Benny Elias and Paul Siren and um, just for dinner and and the wives and you know we're still so close together as as mates after all this time. Yeah, yeah. 
That's the coolest thing. I think uh, when I talk to my children, even, I feel like that's missing somewhat nowadays, the blind loyalty to one club. Yeah. Um, I don't see that in the younger generation, unless, of course, they're gifted the the sweet spot where it all comes together and the money's right and the conditions are right and it, you know, it all becomes right. But even in watching my children as they grew up, I've got three boys that all played the game and they're very fanatical followers still. And they have even changed their teams over the year, except for one who's always been with the same. But, they, you know, they've, they've ebbed and flowed over the time. And I just don't see that real one-eyed fanatical support that we all had as kids. And certainly, I think in the last couple of generations, it was still very strong. And there's just that big change. Wayne, is that something that you would agree with? Yeah, I, I sort of noticed that. Um, yeah, there's been a generational shift, I think, in, in terms of um, you know, what it means to be loyal. Uh, yeah, because... You look at the players as well. You know, when I played, there were, if you change clubs mid mid career, admittedly the money wasn't around like it is now. But mm. uh, change clubs mid career, then that was somewhat unusual. Mm. Now it's unusual if you stay the one be a full career, and, and you know, so that's understandable that the the, the fans, uh, particularly the younger generation, are like that because they have a shorter uh, horizon upon which they they expect their club to win a competition or to be successful so uh, that's just the way of the world the world's changing and and uh, temperaments are changing as well there's a sorry nick no good uh, i think there's a massive parallel there between what's happened to footy or any any sport really any team sport especially and what's happened to business and teams in corporations in small business where once upon a time, you got a job with a company and you stayed with them long term because that was how you got looked after and it was what was expected and it was just a, it seemed to be one of the common values. Whereas now, it's more like footy. Um, you know, you got young people chasing the next big deal and uh, the next springboard and loyalty seems to be a word that's perhaps a little lost in business and employment land. Is that yeah, something you I mean, it's a good point, was I, I think it's a two-way street. You know, businesses have to accept some responsibility for that in terms of the culture that mm. they um, presenting to their to their staff. Um, you know, if you've got a, a culture that supports employees in terms of their growth, um, and which is really what I think the, the core element of what the, uh, the, the smart employees are looking for is to grow and develop their skill set. Because in a rapidly changing world, which is where we live and operate nowadays in a rapidly changing world the currency of employment is is your ability to upskill uh, and, and adapt to the changing landscape so if if employers are providing that opportunity they're not going to lose as many employee, employees as organizations that are not but even in an environment where you're still providing those opportunities for growth and there's a really positive trusting culture you're still you're still going to get a turnover i think because you, you have those those employees that outgrow that organization mm. or that team or that business and yeah it's going to happen but um i, I think there's certainly um there, there's certainly some work you can do and measures you can put in place to reduce the the turnover and and a small amount of turnover is healthy actually in in organizations in footy teams in, in businesses yeah i couldn't agree more i think there has to be an attrition rate. It, it's normal with sport. It's normal with businesses. It's important that we have that that change uh, in a measured way. And there's so much that we can to do to support the frequent turnover not being the, 
I guess, the default culture within the business. Wayne, I'd love to take us back a step or two and maybe talk about that transition. So clearly you've had this amazing career in football. Where do you go after football and how on earth did that journey lead you to what you're doing now? Good question. Uh, what do you do after footy? Well, back when I played, it wasn't as much of a uh, a shock to the system because you had to work a job. So I worked in a part-time, I say played footy in the part-time era where you had a job and when you scored a try in a game, at the bottom of the screen it had your name and it had underneath that occupation. Yeah. You know, there was labourers, there was bricklayers, there was yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. My occupation was actually school teacher for a couple wow. of years. Uh, then I'm in. So when I finished, um, when I finished school, uh, I, I went to university. Actually, I did a science degree. Yep. Um, I did four years of psychology there, which was uh, really whet my appetite for the potential that mm. exists that's, that's latent in human beings. Mm. Uh, and then I did a dip ed as well because teaching, uh, because I was passionate, I wanted to try and crack it as a rugby league player. So for me, the teaching hours were great because they you finish school at four o'clock and then you you start your training at four thirty to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, that worked in quite well. So I actually did that. So when I finished, uh, sorry, and, and I only taught for a couple of years and then I started playing representative football. I started playing for Australia and it was too hard to get time off work. So I moved into a sales role. <laughs> so um, I sorry in, in the middle of, of that, I, I worked cut two years. I was worked for employed full time by the rugby league. First person to be full, employed full time by the rugby league, going around to school oh. about the value of sport, rugby league, and and, oh. and 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 health and fitness. So I did that for a couple of years, and then got burnt out. Worked about five hundred schools, um, and then thought I got to I got to do something a little bit more <laughs> uh, with a bit more variety. And then um, so I I basically I started selling advertising for oh. the Channel Ten Television Network, who. Uh, with a broadcaster, the rugby, primary broadcaster, rugby league back mm-hmm. in those days. So I was selling advertising, and that was really good because that gave me an insight into the business world and the challenges that the business world have, and that really whet my appetite for the op- great opportunity in business to really improve their teamwork, improve mm-hmm. their productivity through improving their teamwork, and 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 improving their motivation and leadership capability. So. Um, that sowed the seed for later on, many years later, um, to when I finished playing rugby league, I worked a couple of years in the media, but then I actually went back and coached for seven years. And then in uh, 23 years ago, I, I finished coaching and then I took that skill set, that I, broad skill set that I had, had acquired and took a bit of time off and had to think about where could I apply this that I would get really uh, a lot of satisfaction, but that there would be a demand for it. And that's when I took the skills to the business world and started working as a consultant with companies mm-hmm. because uh, there's a massive gap in that teamwork space in business. In fact, there was a study done by Corn Ferry um, no, about 10 years ago. Um, MBN Co. commissioned Corn Ferry to do a study and looking at where the leadership competency gaps were in business. And they identified the single biggest leadership competency gap in terms of uh of their ability to to um, hardest this the hardest to recruit and the hardest to train was building effective teams. The skills around building effective teams. So, so that was uh, for me where I sort of put my efforts over the last couple of decades and and really love it. That's a fantastic, really brief um, ideal of of your life, Wayne. That's really quite fascinating. And I'm 
I'm, I just have this one burning question. I'd love you to answer for me. As a parent, I was particularly invested in ensuring all of our children played team sport because of what I assumed would be a natural carryover to the rest of their lives. And I wonder if you have noticed in the people that you have worked with in the past 20 odd years, those that did play a team sport in their youth, are they more naturally a team player within an employment team or within their workplace than somebody perhaps that didn't play a team sport when they were a child? Can you see any parallel there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, not not everybody that plays team sport uh, will benefit because there's some players that play team sport that are outliers that are a little bit selfish, that really, they're not team players, but they're playing in a team. Um, but the vast majority of people that play team sport, absolutely, I, I see um, some benefits that will uh, significantly assist them in in post their their um, their schooling and, 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 and their adult life. And it's not just around the teamwork, the camaraderie, it's around the discipline, it's around the focus, it's around setting goals it's 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 all those things that you don't necessarily get taught in school and don't really um that they're not part of the curriculum mm. but you gain those lessons um experientially when you're playing particularly the tougher uh competitive sports um you know, if you're playing table tennis as a doubles or something like that not got nothing it's table tennis but um yeah, you're right. I, mean, I don't think many of our listeners are playing table it's tennis. The, it's the sport, no, no, it's the sports that that really require you to dig deep and, and yes. support your mates and yep. pick them up when they when they're when they're down and, and those types of things. And there's rugby league's just one of those, and there's plenty of them. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm always fascinated. Well, there's a couple of things in even just that little conversational thread. Uh, and you've been in the education environment, Wayne. You know, we often talk to guests on the show, and and we talk to business owners. And there's always these comments that we all make that, you know, they don't teach this in school and they don't teach that in school. And I sometimes think, what the bloody hell do they actually teach in school? Because so far I've not heard anyone say, oh yeah, they taught me all of that in school. Uh, yeah, having come through that education environment, uh, not that I'm asking you to fix it for anybody because I'm sure there's a lot of parents who wish you would, but uh, is that a gap that you see yeah, or have noticed? I actually do a, bit of work, a fair bit of work in the schools actually was at the moment with... Um, with with teachers, um, mm. there are some significant gaps, um, and, and teachers are under the pump at the moment because mm. there's so much paperwork that they've got to do, which mm. and back end stuff which detracts from the the focus of actually teaching. Uh, it's the governance piece around the world that we're in at the moment, unfortunately. But there's there's things, there's simple things that can really benefit that are not taught at the moment. For example, communication. There's not, there's absolutely, there's zero uh, education around communication, around the different channels of communication, how you communicate effectively with different types of people, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's a primary, um, it's a, a massive gap. There's a there's massive gap in the space of mindset, managing your mindset. How do you actually um, get yourself up when you're flat? Um, there's a whole lot of stuff in that space. They sort of touch on a little bit, but there's some contemporary uh, views and ideas in that space that are, are not being shared. Um, there's there's some some just gaps in in in, in just general um, adaptive skills around managing finances and you know, stuff like that. I mean, which are a little bit more advanced stuff, but still, I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff that that, that can be taught that 
is not being taught at the moment. Mm. But there's, but you've got to get the basics right. You've got to get yeah, your arithmetic and your reading uh, and writing right first because that's fundamental. But there's, I, I think some, particularly that communication and mindset pieces are, are really critical because that that differentiates whether or not you're going to be able to handle the pressure um, of um, the pressures that are being thrust upon you as you move and through and neg- navigate the adulthood. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and I think uh, it leans into a conversation that we have occasionally here on the podcast around talent versus skill. And I, and I think sport is a fantastic uh, window into this where a lot of punters probably think that great sports people just were born talent. Uh, and I'd love to get your perspective on this, Wayne, because I actually don't believe that. I think most of it is is hard work and dedication and consistency and skills development in all areas. And I feel like it's the same in business where a lot of business owners think, and I've said this in, in a recent episode as well, a lot of business owners think that, oh, I just wasn't cut out for this, or I'm just no good with numbers, or oh, I just don't have the people stuff. You know, I'm not great with people. I think most of that, if not all of it, can be learned but I'm keen on your experience, mate, because you've been through both. The, you're now in the business world, but you've been in that sporting arena for a heck of a long time. Yeah, I, I agree. Your talent's overrated, uh, without a doubt. Um, I mean, the, the key factor, the key ingredient, and I look back on my life and, and the whole lot of people that I've engaged with over the years that have been really successful, and and what's the key differentiator is is desire. Okay, desire. Will will uh, overcome talent gaps any any day of the week. Um, yeah, th- there's no doubt though that we're all wired as human beings differently. And and when the the our, our passion or talent, sorry, our passion or um, desire matches and meets and overlaps with the talent, that's when you've got a, a massive opportunity to become really great in at what that is. Um, you know, for some people it's athletics, for some people it's numbers, for some people it's being a parent, whatever it is. But um, I mean, there's so many different areas of life that w- the the the, um, the sort of talent sits and is is, is not tapped. Um, but but that desire is is and passion is the is the thing that is going to enable the workload. And when you look at any of the any of the great uh, composers, the great writers, the great athletes. Uh, you know their work rate and their workload is phenomenal. Yeah, you, know, you look at Nathan Cleary in rugby league, for example. You know he's he's uh you know he's and and there's a whole lot of other great players as well. But Nathan is 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 the first bloke to training. He's the last bloke off the training paddock. Um, and in the grand final, which anyone watched the grand final, you know, he, he was the one that won the grand final. And mm. and and he did that because he knew, he he, he um, had done the work and. He, he knew that he'd done the work and he, he pulled that, the game out of the bag for them. So for, for me, it's, it's, it absolutely is that passion and, and, and desire that's really going to separate um, the, the people, not only that are going to be really great, but the people who are, in, are going to enjoy their life more. There's so many people getting up in the morning, going to work, they get on the bus, they don't talk to anybody, they're dreading going to work, but they've got to pick up a pay packet because they feel they've got to pay, pay for a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's what I'm talking about. That 
there's a lack of education in those types of people, uh, which starts and wasn't wasn't given at school. That's that's going to allow that could enable them to actually understand. Well, you're disempowering yourself because you don't have the knowledge of, of how to get to where you want to get to or where you want to get to. And, and I, I, that's the other big thing that I'm, for me, you know, success in life is not a fluke. Um, and when we start being strategic about our lives, we start um, setting long-term goals. And it, when you look at, at say, Olympic athletes uh, who are identified as, as young kids, they don't have a horizon of two or three years, they have a horizon of five or ten years, and that's they know that's where they want to get to. And the sports psychologists work with them to set goals, to actually do the visualization work, to help the brain start to actually become programmed towards that that outcome, and that's going to make a huge difference. And it's not just applicable to sports; it's applicable to business people. It's applicable to anybody. Um, and business people that are, and tradies that are listening to this, you know, when you start to actually uh, set those long-term goals, you start to internalize what that feels like to have me achieve that, which is the visualization process. Then what happens is you start to then notice things because the way the non-conscious brain works is, is quite fascinating. And, and, and the non-conscious brain can process around about, uh, up to around about 20 million bits of information per second. But we only take in around about 11 million bits of information per second. That's the non-conscious brain. But the conscious brain can only process 50, five, mm. zero bits per second. So what gets distilled down to that 50 that we become conscious of is actually that process is governed by a mechanism in the brain called the reticular activating system. Now, the reticular activating system is, uh, is, is going to let through information that's going to keep us safe but also information that's linked to our values. But the third thing is the information that's that's um, anchored or linked to where we want to get to. And that's why it's important to set those long-term goals to actually start to feel and imagine what it's like in that space. And then you're going to see all these coincidences, all these opportunities going to come into your life that was not there previously because the reticular activating system is allowing the conscious brain to now identify those opportunities. So... I mean, it's sort of might sound a little bit technical, but it's pretty simple. It's really about getting clear on where you want to get to, and most people aren't clear on that. Why? Because there's no goal setting uh, uh, programs taught at school or education. School. <laughs> we just blame school for everything, mate. <laughs> well, it's it's not, it's well, it's it's school also, but it's 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 actually um, where you do learn that sort of stuff is actually learn that when you start playing sports. Yeah, you start setting goals in, in, in sports teams, and they've got a good coach, good junior coaches. They're they're invaluable in terms of the life lessons. Mm. Like tuning the radio, we we often talk about tuning the radio, and this is something we do a lot with our clients, particularly at the beginning of the year. But then we set markers during the year, so we continue to reevaluate those goals and then get reattuned into the correct frequency, so that they can attract it, like you're talking about. I guess I wanted to make that parallel with team. We, many of us do it subconsciously or consciously either way as business owners, but I think we've, we often miss the point of encouraging our team to do the same and, and involving them in our own business goals, but also getting involved in their personal goals, which can really help them get set and settled within the business and their comfort and, and how they want to move forward. Wayne, do you have a position on that, sharing those with your team and encouraging your team to do the same? Absolutely. I mean, 
the, there's some interesting work done by Google um, back. The work was concluded in 2014 because Google, um, an interesting organization where they started in the late 90s and their philosophy was to recruit the best talent from around the globe um, and we'll pay them really well. We'll give them an experienced manager. We'll give them all the resources they need and they're going to perform really well. What they found was that there were was patchy teamwork around around the, the globe. Okay, they so some teams that were performing really well, uh, but the vast majority were doing okay, but not really really well. Not commensurate with the, with the pay packets that people have been paid. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they start they they looked at through the, the lens because they're a data driven organisation. They looked through the lens of data to see what it was that was driving these teams that were high performers that weren't there with the rest of the teams. And what they found was that there was one common element that just differentiated the high-performing teams from the rest, and that was a, a culture, what they called psychological safety. So a culture like psychological safety is basically a high-trust culture. And in those high-trust cultures, um, what that enables, it, that enables people to, to share information more openly. It allows them to to get stuff done more quickly, there's better ideas, innovation, a whole lot of stuff. And and one of the things that uh, facilitates a, high, a, a, a culture of high trust is the, the, the leader taking that bulletproof vet mask off and the vest off and allowing themselves to be seen as human and, and allowing themselves to connect with their people. And that connectivity piece, that ability to have conversations around um, real person matters uh, is is absolutely a critical element, and that's one of the things that you find in the high performance teams. And uh, doesn't matter what sport you're talking about, the coaches are, are open and transparent about how they're feeling, how they with how how um, how how they see situations, um, and they encourage the players and provide opportunities for the players to get to know each other beyond just that superficial level as is often the case in the workplace and that i think it's one of the reasons why you see examples of of high performance teamwork in sport that you don't see in business because a lot of businesses aren't addressing the core fundamentals that need to be addressed that's one of the things that i've really focused uh heavily on since i've been consulting over the last 20 years and and um it's amazing how quickly businesses can turn around when they get the fundamentals right. There's other stuff as well, but psychological safety is a really critical element. It boggles my brain. Sorry, Nick, I've jumped in again. Um, it boggles my brain, Wayne, because sport, right? The even even the upper echelons of professional team sport. I mean, we're not talking about multi-million-dollar lifetime payoffs for. For people on the team, I mean, it's big business, and there's there's big bucks involved in certain codes, but the level of passion for this sort of stuff, and the level of team communication and leadership that you see in even just you know high level club sport or, or you know state based national competitions is phenomenal, and there's so much research put into it and effort put into that, and yet in business where you know this this pays people's mortgages, it puts kids through school, it sets people up for retirement. There seems to be a much lower level of interest in what we're talking about here with, you know, this high trust culture and how leaders can lead compared to sport where you win a trophy, whereas business is, is like life and death stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's this disproportionate 
focus put onto it. Can you give me some thoughts on yeah, why you think that is? Absolutely. Or if I'm barking up the wrong tree. No, no, no. Absolutely, you're spot on, boys. One, one of the um, one of the real challenges for 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 most businesses is they're led by by people who never ever played any high level sport. So they don't really. So this, what I'm saying is, they're still looking at black and white television. Mm-hmm. Right? And I can remember when black and white telly came in in 1975. Sorry, when color television came in in 1975. <laughs> and um, and I was living in a little one bedroom shack in in Balmain. Five of us squeezed in this little one bedroom every night, and um, and, and we had a little black and white television. And I loved watching all the shows back then. You know, the old shadows, Gilligan's Island, McHale's Navy, Boys uh, the Bottom of the Sea, all in black and white television. Right. And then what happened was in 1975, they switched on color television, but we never had it because we had black and white telly. And I remember not long after they had switched it on, I was walking up through the main street of Balmain, which is where I grew up, and there was a store for those old people in the, on here that may, maybe in my era, they'll remember a store in Balmain called Bennett's Electrical, which was like an early days version of Harvey Norman. And it had a glass window that went onto the street. That, and behind the glass window was all the appliances that were selling. This particular day, I'm walking up the main street, and there's this massive crowd of people standing out the front of Bennett's Electrical. We're never like that normally looking in the window and I walked up I had no idea because I forgot to color television had been switched on just a couple of days before and all these people because Balmain in those days was very much working class and and there wasn't much money around a bit different now the investment bankers live there down <laughs> but uh, um I've been all looking in this window and I just pushed me up and wow it was color television and I never seen color television or I never had seen a screen of color tv that went or anything like that so i was just amazed and stood there for a couple of minutes i was 40 years of age and i got pushed out of the way and and um anyhow but when i went back home turned my black and white telly on never was the same yeah it was never never had the same impact and um if i if i'd never seen the color telly the black and white was going to be fine and it's a bit like teamwork it, okay because there's a lot of uh senior people in business, bosses in business that are still looking at black and white telly. They've never seen color telly and therefore they don't really know what they're missing. Yet the businesses are, are underperforming for anywhere from 10% to, to 50% under underperformance. And there's data around to show that you get your teamwork right, then the, the productivity um, is going to result, increased productivity is going to result in, in increased profit and and much improved culture. But to your point, was I mean, it, a lot of them don't, they, they don't understand, don't know, don't know where to start, don't know how to, how to go about it. There's no, there's, 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 there's zero books written. There's not one single book written on the science of teamwork. Okay. There's plenty of case studies around on this and this and this and this, but the collective science of teamwork, and there's some books that are called the science of teamwork, but they don't talk about uh, all the fundamentals. They don't bring in the, all the research. Um, I say I actually started writing a book when COVID hit, but then uh, I got a, I got a couple of chapters into it, and then I got um, got called by the or got asked by the chairman of the rugby league commission to to get a team together to get the rugby league back up and started when it shut down. So I ran that project, and then it was all about teamwork. It was really mm-hmm. all about teamwork. So I had to put because I had to put all the fundamentals into place that uh, I've been teaching businesses for years, and it was great because we were, we were pretty much the, we were the first collision sport in the world to resume. And complete our competition during COVID, so it was um, it was pretty satisfying. But there's a lot of 
a lot of massive opportunity out there for businesses if they actually, and, and I'm not talking about massive big business, I'm talking about your small business as well. You've got eight or 10 people and working in your business. Um, there's a great, you got two or three people working in your business. Um, it's a great opportunity if you understand the science and fundamentals of teamwork to actually get a huge, huge improvement in your, in your outcomes. To me, it's, it's the greatest opportunity for business results. I, I don't want to call it success because everyone has their own idea about success. Um, and ultimately, I think most of, of you listening to this episode would want to make more money, have more time back, have a better lifestyle. All of that involves having an enterprise that delivers more to you in less time input from yourself as the business owner. Uh, and so the the key to leverage in business for me is team. You, you cannot do it on your own unless you, I don't know, win the voice or something and get a multi-million dollar contract singing pop songs with a millennial whoop in them or something or whatever it's called. But, uh, you know, when it comes yeah, but, to... But it is was, I mean, but I think the thing is, I think most people realize that that if we get our teamwork right, um, there's going to be a huge upside. They don't know where to start. No, yeah, the, I, the single biggest enabler, the single biggest enabler of of a high performance teamwork is the quality of the team leader. Hmm. Okay? Because the team leader is the one that's got to enable it. They're the one that put all that sort of stuff into place. So, um, but leadership is not. Once again, it's not something that's really taught. So uh, why don't more people do it, Wayne? That's that's the thing that that I guess is the question for me is why don't more people go and tackle, pardon the pun, this whole leadership problem? Um, well, the thing is, I there, there's patchy a patchy understanding of, of what that looks like. Now, now team leadership really is 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 about understanding the mechanics of what it takes to create a high performance team. Okay, and there there's there's it, there's massive amount of, of data that's patchy been done separately that it's not really been brought together i've just brought, brought this stuff together and and apply it but you know there's things like you you've got to create a high trust culture you've got to get clear expectations you've got and that clear clear expectations really is in terms of where you're going to people need to understand that they need to understand uh, their role in that they need to understand how they're going to be remunerated in that um they need to understand what principles and values how are we going to go about getting that what are the rules? What are the team rules? Um, they need to understand how to have the conversations with each other if things don't go right, and that's not that's not, that's not taught in school either. Um, because in the great teams, everybody keeps everybody accountable for agreed behaviours or outcomes, regardless of role or position. I'll say it one more time: everybody keeps everybody accountable for agreed uh, roles or outcomes, regardless of role or position. So. What what we're talking about here is people, um, if team members being able to keep their their boss accountable if necessary, uh, but actually keep each other accountable if necessary, and that's generally avoided because people don't have the skills on how to do that. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a fair bit of skill involved in this. It's not just something where you go. You, and I I I, um, I talk to uh, sorry. And the other thing that's really important and really critical. Um, is a sense of purpose. They mm -hmm. might be people purposeful about their roles, and also celebrating achievements and creating that energized atmosphere. I mean, all that's really important. And then over and above that is a sense of what I call sense of consciousness, which is 
everybody understands uh, where they fit in the organisation and when changes happen, everybody's kept on, on, on the same page in that space. So, you know, there's a, there's a number of pieces to the puzzle, but uh, it's not too hard to actually start with the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are, is essentially building that, that high trust culture. Oh, a platform of high trust or well, psychological safety, as the, the gurus call it. A lot of big terms in there. When realistically, <laughs> what we're talking about, Wayne, is quite, I won't say it's easy and it is simple. It's simple. I'm, I'm sure you have a framework or you teach a framework to follow. And we do a similar kind of thing on a very fundamental type level. It's, it's quite a simple ideal. It, yes, it can be some hard work to put it in place. But the results speak for themselves. And if, if you're a tradie listening to this and you've ever been blindsided by somebody leaving or you've been blindsided by a client complaint, this is the kind of stuff that's missing from your business. We had a great chat this morning with one of our Tradiepreneur members who was feeling rightly dissatisfied by the treatment towards them from a couple of their key, key team members. They were rightfully upset. And with a bit of questioning, what we realized is they missed the setting of the expectations piece with their team. And so the team didn't understand the process of what they're working through. So like I say, it's simple, not easy to navigate. And you as the leader is going to have to do some self-work to get yeah. where you need to be. However, I, I, I don't think there's anything more critical when it comes to driving those results that Warwick was talking about earlier. You can you can be self-employed and work for an hourly rate for the rest of your life, or you can create a fantastic team to help serve a greater purpose, both for you as an employer and your team members as well. It can just, I guess it's going to find where the information is, Wayne, and that brings me to my question. If I'm a tradie, I'm a man in the van, I'm listening to what we're talking about here, where do I even start? Good point. That place, um, That <laughs> depends if you want to. And my, my spin on, on, on this and my perspective on this is if someone's done the work, then and and they're reputable, then that save you doing all the work that they've done. Why don't you pick up where, where, where they are at the moment and take off from there? I mean, so, you know, I, I've actually, and that's what I've done to get to where I've got to. Um, and there's not one, as I said, there's not one book run resource that, that sort of covers all this sort of stuff. I mean, I actually run programs for tradies, for, 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 um, um, for educators, for business people, any, for anybody in that team, leading team space. Um, and it's a leading teams workshop. I run a one day workshop um, in that space. And it's it covers all the, the key elements. Uh, there's a workbook that you take away. There's got a whole lot of activities in there that you can do with your people. Um, it, it's, yeah, that's, that's where, well, I would suggest um, if if there's a whole lot of books you can read if you want to read books, but um, at the end of the day, um, I've done the work for you on that space. And if you want to if you want to learn about teamwork and your 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 your, your time is precious, the most valuable resource you have is your time. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't want to waste it. Um, but if you could put a day aside and you want to you want to take away a whole lot of stuff. Starting with the fundamentals, and Nick, you made a very good point. You know, it sounds complicated, but there are some simple things you can do to get started, and it's not that complicated. Uh, an elephant, one bite at a time. So, 
that's becoming a team leader is really there's one step at a time. But there's some things that are that are really fundamental and more important than others. And um, we sort of teach that in the program. Nice, nice. Mate, I've got a question for you. I've got a couple actually. Um, one's a reasonably serious question, which is unusual for me. If you had, if you had a thousand tradies in a room, mate, what's one piece of advice you would like to leave them with? Uh, I suppose that I, I suppose it would be to actually be strategic about what you do and 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 be intentional with what you what you do. There's two tips there. Um, strategic, what I mean, is is stay focused on where you want to get to. Uh, because that that then, when you stay focused on where you want to get to, uh, and you you really keep that front and center, what happens is that will bring into your consciousness a whole lot of opportunities that are going to help you get there. So that that's pretty important. The other one about being intentional is is to use your time um, in in a way that is most efficient. So you know. If you're going to go into a meeting, what is it you want to get out of that meeting? If you're going to, if today, what's the main thing I want to get out of today? So it, it sort of links back to the strategic piece, but it's 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 a bit more uh, here and now. So mm. be intentional about what you do, because once again, that that brings into play this reticular activating system, this mechanism in the brain that's going to allow me to to actually make the best use of what it is that's around me, um, and this plays into what's thing called consciousness which is which is uh, a, a concept that that no one really nailed and understands how the not the non-conscious right mind actually gathers this information uh, you know there's a spiritual element to it as well but you don't have to be be um, terribly spiritual to benefit from it if mm-hmm. you actually understand that that by by being strategic by being intentional um it does make a huge difference hmm. i hope i didn't, okay. didn't confuse anybody there. <laughs> <laughs> unlikely right, right. Mate. unlikely and nick i've been cutting you off all episode so would you like to ask a question before i hit him with my final one well i'm going to ask your final one for you on your behalf if you like oh, okay okay if our listeners are listening along and think okay i really got to get along to this training where do they find out more about what you're up to um the i've got a website uh, it's waynepierceadvantage.com.au. Um, there's a there's a um, uh, tab on there about upcoming events. Uh, I update those uh, regularly. There's actually a fascinating um, communication uh, program that I run as well, which I haven't even talked about, which is called Process Communication, which um, was used by NASA to recruit and train astronauts for, mm. for three decades. Um, mm. It's really fascinating about how to, how to manage yourself under pressure, in distress, um, how to communicate effectively with different types of people and so on and so forth. That's a really uh, popular program as well, but there's different types of programs that I that I do run. But, um, you know, for me, you know, I, I, I love working with different types of people. I love it when people come along to the sessions and they, and they walk away going, wow, you know, this is going to really help because my type of personality benefits from that. Yes. Love it. Love it. Now, Wayne, uh, final question from me, mate. When's the last time you had a run on the paddock? Run on the paddock? Yeah. When when did you last pick up a ball in anger, mate, and how did it go? <laughs> um, well, I finished playing way, way back in 1990, and 
that was because my knees were, were, were pretty worn. And I ended up playing a charity game maybe 12 months later for, I can't remember what charity it was. There was a game, an, ex, an Origin Legends, ex-Origin Legends game. I played that. It was up at Lane Park. And that was the last time I sort of laced on a boot. But um, I, I, my exercise now, I just come back not long from a paddle on the harbour. I actually got a racing ski and paddle on the harbour because it keeps me off my knees. Nice. And, um, <laughs> and then, uh, but I still get pretty fit. So it's been a long while, it was. It's been um, well, 33 years now, pretty much since I last No, last year, it's 30, yeah, 33 years. Yeah, yeah, wow. Goes in the blink of an eye. I, I, I'd love to be able to be 33 and cheeky and say, oh, that's only my lifetime, but it's not. It's not <laughs> older than that. Nice try, Nick. Nice I know. <laughs> well, uh, Wayne, thanks for your time on the podcast, mate. Fantastic to have a chat to the Wayne Pierce. Uh, I'm sure my pop is even prouder of me than he already was, mate. <laughs> he no, thanks, Wayne. Uh, it's been great just chatting to you and and um, been able to share a few thoughts with, 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 with your tradies out there. I mean... The thing is, most most people most people are, are under optimized, and what by that I mean, most people don't have the understanding of what how great they can be. And um, and for me, I'm pretty average average height, average weight, um, but I had identified an area that I was reasonably well. I was, I was hungry, um, and that desire. Together with a little bit of athleticism that I that I was blessed with uh, allowed me to get to where I got to. So um, yeah, now it's just been great to share that some ideas. So thanks, Nick. Thanks, Wise. I really appreciate Absolute it. Pleasure. Thank you, Wayne. Thanks, Wayne. Love it. Mm-hmm.